Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm the DJ, the MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who has been known to some guests as the poet in their heart. And we just say to him, never change and never stop. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben Ami. So for this episode, we have a special guest who is a referral from one of our previous guests, Bree Kennedy. Please welcome to the podcast, singer Jake Wesley Rogers. Hello. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm really good. 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 Yeah. All right. As good as we can be, but right now I'm I know. good. <laughs> I know. All right. Well, premise of our podcast is fairly simple. We talk about music, but as I do at the beginning of each episode, I ask the all-important question. I'm going to start with Wayne. So what t-shirt are you wearing? Uh, recently, my uh, son went to Southern California and brought me back a Venice Beach t-shirt. Uh, he <laughs> he got it for me because uh, it looks like the Friends logo, kind of. Same script okay. and then the, the multicolored dots in between the letters. So because I'm from the 90s, I must like Friends, which I absolutely do. But right. He kept saying right. Seinfeld, too, which I thought was funny. He kept saying it's like the Seinfeld logo. <laughs> they're a little different a little bit different of a show <laughs> yeah yeah just uh, just a wee bit must see tv though. yeah how about you jake what uh, what t-shirt are you wearing okay i kind of dress for the occasion um i'm wearing one of my favorite t-shirts um it says famous witches on it and it has six nice. women including cd necks but it also has frida Kahlo, Cher. um Yeyoi Kusama, who's an art, a Japanese artist. Um, you have Pamela Coleman Smith, who designed like the tarot cards, the Rider Waite deck, and Marsha P. Johnson, who's like a trans activist. So it's my witch's shirt, and it includes Stevie. So it felt perfect for this for this occasion. Perfect. All right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm uh, I'm wearing a shirt that is not at all related to. Um, the album we're going to talk about. So I'm wearing my Wayne. I'm wearing my Beastie Boys check your head t-shirt. Nice. Very nice. And let me tell you the reason why I'm wearing this. Please. And maybe wait. Once I start talking, Wayne's Wayne's probably going to um, laugh when I, (laughs) when I say the reason why I'm wearing it. So I have to give kudos to you, Jake, for picking a record that has 20 songs. <laughs> yeah. Usually guests go the other way. I think we had to pick some records. All right, eight. The last time, the last time a guest picked a record with 20 songs, <laughs> they, they ended up rescheduling on us once. And then he just ended up canceling on us oh two my days God. before we were supposed to record. Cause I think they realized what a daunting task it was that they made for themselves for picking a record with that many songs to score. <laughs> you know, I felt up for the challenge. Perfect. And I still am. And I still am very up for the challenge. And I'm very excited to talk about this record. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, um, <laughs> in, in fact, Wayne, um, I don't know if I had told you this, but uh, I got a one of those, those uh, mailing list emails from that particular artist who canceled on us <laughs> and um, I unsubscribed last week. Uh, Oof. You had it coming. Brutal. He had it Brutal. Coming. That is actually like, that's a deep cut to, to an artist. I will say so. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Well, um, so you were a referral from Bree. Did you listen to the episode we did with her? Yes. Yeah. I, and I love Heim too. So um, excellent. It was wonderful. And Bree is such a a sweet friend of mine. So I was very thankful she referred me. Yes. She was so fun. Oh, absolutely. Like uh, I know she's got, she's got some new music coming out soon. In fact, by the time this episode is out, I think her new single will be out as well. So yeah, I think it comes up October 30th. Yeah. I was just going to say. Yep. Yeah. She's a wonderful person. Absolutely. So I, I have, I have the first question that is n- not music related for you, Jake. So, okay. Um, I'm, I'm following you now on Instagram and a lot of the pictures have you dangling things from your ear, like it's an <laughs> earring, but instead of it being an earring, there's like one was a lemon slice. There was a cross, there was a Christmas ornament. So, um, so, so what's the deal with that? I, I want to give a very Lindsay Buckingham answer and say <laughs> okay. that art, art is extremely subjective. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Um, and no, I just I just got my ear one ear pierced okay. last year. I went to Claire's. Um, and growing up, I feel like I always heard like in middle school is like, oh, that's the gay year. And I was like, I'm going to find out exactly what the gay year is. And I'm going to get that one. <laughs> and now I just kind of put whatever I want on my ear with reckless abandon. Um, as long as it doesn't like hurt my ear, it's usually lightweight stuff. And I just find it fun. I think it's a fun way to, to add a little bit of expression to an outfit. Sure. Yeah. I, I was just, I was just curious if there was any, you know, extra meaning to it other than it's fun. It's just, it's for art for art's sake. You know what I mean? Kind of like Tusk. (laughs) (laughs) Right. A nice segue. (laughs) So let's let's talk about your journey in music before we um, dive into Fleetwood Mac. So did did I read that you're from Missouri? Mm-hmm. What part? Yeah, I was born in Kansas City, but I grew up in Springfield, Missouri. Okay, all right. Um, yeah. So what brought you to Nashville? Um, I moved here to go to college. I went to Belmont. Okay. University. It was the only school I applied to. And I got in and I moved here mainly because um, there's not many schools with music business and songwriting programs. And uh, Belmont's one of the ones that does have a songwriting program. And I had visited Nashville a few times, like when I was um, was like 15, 16. And I, I don't know. I just, I felt like I wanted to move here regardless. And my parents told me to go to college. So it was perfect. And I'm still here. In about five years. Wayne, who did who did we have on recently that went to Belmont? Uh, I want to say the conversation came was around uh, Carolina's story, but I think it was another school. Okay. Or did Stephanie Lambring? I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember. I think Brad Paisley probably. Right? He hasn't been on the podcast yet, but no, not yet, not yet. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um so I stumbled on, I was looking at your videos and I stumbled on a video of you performing toxic on America's oh Got my Talent. God. <laughs> Fun times. And, and that's not something that you, 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 um, put in your bio too often, right? 
No, I mean, I I was truly, I was 15 there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was kind of my first little, my little entrance into, um, like whatever, whatever this is, whatever journey this is. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it happened. It, it taught me a lot, but, um, I think it taught me more hard lessons than, than positive lessons, but those are the lessons that are usually the most transformative. Um, I was going to say, so, so Stern calling your rendition of the song, he didn't call your performance this, he called the song itself vapid. Uh, (laughs) I guess he didn't, he doesn't like Britney Spears is what I'm, I'm gathering. Um, and and so, (laughs) so that didn't deter you from doing the music thing that, that was like, you checking off the box of okay first disappointment right here and now moving on yeah i mean it was it was 2012 it was in the heat of i feel like the musical reality shows um and i was 14 when i auditioned and when i was 14 (laughs) i kind of just assumed like this is the way to do it um and i have really supportive parents they were just like yeah we'll drive you wherever to audition and America's Got Talent was the only show without like an age restriction, I think. Okay. Um, so I just kind of picked that one. And I think, I think, yeah, it, it didn't, it didn't deter me at all because I, there were many other lessons I had to learn that, and being an artist is so much more holistic than I feel like what those shows have to offer. And I feel like those shows are talent shows. And I think my, my, my artistic philosophy is that art has nothing to do with talent. Really. I think it plays into it, but um, for the most part, it's about saying something. Um, And that's why, like when I look back on that show, it's like, Oh, I mean, I was singing. It was a a talent show, but um, now my whole life, my whole job is to say things, say things that matter to me. And I, that I hope matter to other people. Yeah. Now, when I'm listening to your music, um, I don't immediately think, okay, this is this is somebody who lives in Nashville. Yes. Do do definitely. you do? Yeah. Do you? I was just gonna say, do you get that a lot? Thank you. Where Thank you like, for saying that. <laughs> are you? Are you? You're in Nashville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, it was so funny. I was touring um, in Europe last fall, and. Yeah, like that really confused people. Like in Germany, they'd be like Nashville. Oh, that was such a bad German. I'm just gonna stop. I'm gonna stop right there. <laughs> They're white, so I don't feel bad. But um, they, yeah, they'd be like Johnny Cash, and I'd be like, yes, but yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I came here for Belmont, and I think I, I just stayed because it's it is about songwriting here. I feel yeah. like at the heart of it. Um, it's obviously completely saturated with contemporary country music, which is really not my vibe at all. But there is a scene of people here like Brie Kennedy. I mean, these people are here because we love creating music and I don't know if I'll be here forever, honestly, but, um, this, this time period, I think it's, it's just helped me, you know, truly kind of uncover 
my artistry and and it's helped me write songs a lot better. Now, are you are you primarily just writing songs for yourself, or you're, are you writing for other people as well? Um, I've I I mean I would say ninety five percent of the time I'm writing for myself, but okay. um, you know I mean being friends with artists, we write songs together, and um, yeah, there's been songs that artists have recorded, but it's never been like an intentional like. I'm sitting down to, to, to write this person a song. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Just curious. Our, our, our previous guest, um, who goes by the moniker model child. Uh, so his name is Danny Parker and he Mm -hmm. actually co-wrote stitches by Sean Mendez. Oh, cool. Yeah. And a whole list of other, other songs, but, I was just curious if if you were writing for other other people because he he kind of saves the more edgier songs for himself, mm. um, just because I think Wayne um, re- remind me what he said. He essentially said that uh, you know some of these artists wouldn't really use provocative. I think was one of the words he used. I think yeah, but yes, the more dangerous. Yeah. Mm. That's really interesting. I mean, I, I, I can, I can see that though. I mean, there are people and I, I work with people like this that are, you know, pretty much just songwriters. They're like their gift is tapping into someone else's vision. And I don't have that gift and I'm okay with that. <laughs> like I'm, I just, it's, it's hard for me to step into, it's hard for me to say like, Oh, but what would this person want to say? Yeah. Cause you're, you're laying it all out there. I mean, I, I listened to, um, to your last EP where I would say all five of the songs are super personal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of, it just, I, that's happened since I was like 15. I feel like, you know, even before I came out, I was kind of writing these (laughs) songs as if I were out. I feel like, they've it's kind of been my like catharsis with whatever I'm going through and and you know like the most rewarding part is and what I've found is the more personal the more personal the lyric the more it connects with people or so it seems mm-hmm. um which is you would think would not be the case because you know like even though I'm talking about my name being Jacob and I'm being from the Bible Belt and all of this, it's like, right. but for some reason, like show after show, people look at me like, oh, that made me think of this. And, you know, I feel like you hear this, like, I don't know, especially when I was kind of first starting out songwriting, it's like, oh, you need to be really broad to appeal to a lot of people. But that's absolutely not the case. <laughs> you know, like when, when Stevie Nicks sings landslide she's being so personal or you know like listen to any Joni mitchell record like obviously i don't know what it's like to give up my baby for adoption but when Joni mitchell sings anything i'm weeping alongside of her so um yeah i think it's just about like it's just about the spirit of humanity more than anything so i it's my total goal just to kind of tell the truth all the time in my art yeah yeah you already brought up jacob from the bible which um i was I was humming along with that today. <laughs> um, super catchy, dude. Um, it's great. Oh, I thought I loved you. 
All right, I do have a video question for you. So you made okay. a you made a video for Little Queen. Mm-hmm. What's the significance of the goat in the video? Okay, well, the thing about the goat is I wanted doves. I really <laughs> okay. I wanted doves. I kind of just made a list of like, what are some witchy animals? And I think I went like doves and then goats. And then I think after that, it was like rabbits. Um, and I had a really hard time finding, I found people with doves, but the ma- mainly people who have doves for commercial uses, this is totally a tangent, but the people who have doves for commercial use, it's usually for like weddings or funerals and they like fly off and they like train them to come back. But I needed to do this like within a studio. And I think yeah. <laughs> I talked to like two dove handlers. They probably have a better name than that. I don't know. <laughs> And they're like, if we release our doves in a studio, like they would die. I was like, oh, let's not do that then. Um, Why would and they then die? I, took, I, I like the, they're trained to like fly off really far and then come back. So I think it would ah. like freak out the doves. So anyway, I found goats. I found a person who has who does like goat yoga in Franklin. So they had a bunch of goats, and she was totally down. Like she was absolutely here for these goats being in the studio and then they came so that's the the significance is i just kind of wanted this like historically and symbolically kind of occult seeming animal to add to the atmosphere and i think the goats had a good time there was one that had a terrible time and was just like in the quarter peeing like the whole time (laughs) but you don't really see her but she was like we weren't hurting her she was just kind of in there i don't know <laughs> so, after, so after you were done with the video shoot did you do the goat yoga thing oh i have not done the goat yoga but i'm that's a really good idea actually because okay i have the contact <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i love yoga I can tell you that that's not on my bucket list. Wayne, is goat yoga on your bucket list i did, prior to this conversation i had no idea that that was even a thing i'm gonna have to do yeah. investigating oh you are sheltered, my friend. <laughs> yeah, the man. suburbs, man. Yeah, that's it. I'm like an empty house With an attic full of you When the flood comes, you're safe and sound I know you've got some other videos out there. Um, you did some covers of some some really standard, not standard, some really great um, classic. That's what I meant to say. Classic 80s songs. So Psychedelic Furs, Ghost in You, and you also did Yaz's Only You. You're significantly younger than Wayne and I. So where where are you getting turned on to Psychedelic Furs? 
Psychedelic Furs, I have to be honest, they, um, I was not turned on to them until, um, well, the the Pretender song, it definitely was. My mom was a huge Pretenders fan. So that, that's a good mom. Version. Good mom. Yes. Yeah. Always knew that song. Um, but the ghost and you basically with those songs, um, uh, I was in a publishing deal then and this publishing company, uh, had the copyrights of these songs. Oh. Well, they sent me, a, they sent me a big list of all these songs they have copyrights of. Um, and this was kind of, as I was writing my first project, so I didn't have anything to release. Um, and they're like, if you wanted to record covers of any of these, like we have the publishing, nice. it would just be easy to do. Um, and I was 19 and I was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, and yeah, a couple of them have been some of the best streaming songs, um, which has been awesome. I think it's kind of open doors and yeah, no complaints there, but I have become, but I have since then kind of the psychedelic furs. I've kind of, I, I took a little dive in and I was definitely into it and still am. Cool. Yeah. If you, if you're into the, the, witches thing yes richard richard butler definitely has this vibe to him mm-hmm. which i i love which i'm i'm looking up at my wall wayne i've got the uh the heartbreak beat 12 inch signed by the brothers wow nice yeah that's so, cool it's right next to my um right next to my not a surf signed record so there you go very cool um, all right. I won't spend that much more time talking about your music because look, we got 20 songs to cover. <laughs> so, um, so, so, so Jake, tell, tell our listeners what record you chose to revisit for this episode. I chose Tusk by Fleetwood Mac. Were there any other records that you thought about? Yes. And they were actually like all teas. I realized, um, I, I talked, I thought about, um, no, they weren't all teas. I'm totally making that up. I, th- I thought about Tapestry and then I saw you did Tapestry. With Maggie Rowe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Another friend. Um, she's awesome. She's amazing. She I thought about doing a Joni Mitchell record because I'm reading a biography on her right now. Okay. Um, I thought about doing Teenage Dream by Katy Perry. I thought okay. about doing 21 by Adele. And then I was like, Tusk would be a challenge. And it's not my number one Fleetwood Mac album by any means, but I think it's like the most interesting album to talk about. So, that's so what's number I one? I mean, I think I have to say rumors. Okay. I think I'd be remiss not to say rumors. I think I'd be one of those people that can't acknowledge that it's a, it is a masterpiece, even though it's literally like a 2020, a meme. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I would say Tusk, I would say, I would say Rumors, then Fleetwood Mac, self-titled, then Tusk, then probably Tango in the Night are my top. Yeah. That's the order in my mind. Right. I'm on, I'm on record and this, this makes Wayne cringe every time <laughs> I say it. It's not cringe. I just, I don't know. He's, all, he's already getting ready to throw out the vitriol. So I'm on record of saying Rumors is my favorite record of all time. All time. All time. I love that. It's definitely in my top three. Yeah. I listen to it like mm, probably once every six to nine months. Wow. 
Have you all done a rumors episode? We yes, did. We okay. That's what I figured too. I figured like, uh, you've definitely done rumors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did. We did. Um, I don't think I, I turned Wayne on to being a, a fan of rumors yet though. Really? Wait, Wayne, are you one of those people that's like blue sweet Mac was better than, um, the, the Stevie Lindsay blue Mac? No, no, I, I just, okay. It's a little, I don't like those people. I don't know. It's, it's, pop. it's cause it I sold like, like, you know, 50 million copies. That's why, mm-hmm. you know what it's, it is what it is. And that's just not my wheelhouse. Like if that was my favorite record and then someone said, Hey, have you ever heard London calling by the clash? I'd be like, Oh, there's there's just more things that I I find. It's I, very interesting that you mentioned I the like, clash. I, I love I love something. It just I don't know. Yes. There's something about it that's made for radio. And it exactly has and and it really is. I I mean, there's not like you can anybody who says rumor sucks is lying. That's not that's not <laughs> a real thing. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like I, there's so many points to that because it it, it defined. It defined an entire like decade of pop light rock radio. And then, and again, we'll probably get into this, like Lindsey Buckingham's over here, like seemingly resenting this and listening to the clash and listening to Elvis Costello and like all this stuff. And he's like, I'm going to make the opposite of rumors. And I just find that mind blowing. So that's definitely the biggest reason why I wanted to talk about us. Cause it's such a, it's such an interesting choice as the biggest band in the world at that point to do that. Yeah. We're, we're definitely going to talk about that. So let me, let's get some bio info on the record. So Tusk is the 12th studio album from Fleetwood Mac. It was released as a double record in October of 79. Um, I think the, the biggest takeaway that I got from this research was this was their 12th studio record like that's crazy <laughs> that's crazy to me i have listened to some of the old peter green stuff um i do like actually i do actually like the the, the bob welch era of yeah. fleetwood mac as well yeah no totally I, there's definitely there's definitely great stuff there i think i'm just one of those people that believes like the magic happened sure when yeah. Lindsay, stevie and christine sang harmonies together but there's probably a lot of people that would fight me on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you brought up the experimental focus of this record, uh, which was to your point, Lindsay didn't want to make rumors part two. He wanted exactly. to do something a little different. However, if, if I had to say that the Christine and Stevie songs are still somewhat in the spirit of rumors is that is that fair to say yeah they yeah yeah stevie nicks didn't get the memo <laughs> and if she did there was too many drugs <laughs> she ignored it if she did she, she, she ignored up and threw it. It away. yeah 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 nine out of the 20 songs that are on this record are Lindsay's. Mm-hmm. which that's a record i mean that's what's so funny about it yeah because because if you look at the previous record, what did he have? Three songs that were yeah, it was just pretty his? even. Yeah. yeah. Here, here's what I thought was funny. Um, while I'm doing the research, somebody said Tusk is regarded as a commercial failure. It sold four million copies. Yeah, that'd be the biggest record of the year if that 
if something sold, sold 4 million copies yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, it did hit number one in the UK. It peaked at number four on the US Billboard 200. Um, so when it peaked at number four, any guesses what was the number one record on the Billboard 200? Ooh, in 79. This was November 79 when it peaked at number four. Was it Eagles? It was the long run. There you wow. go. I didn't know it was long run, but I have a feeling it was Eagles. Here were the other two that were right ahead of it. So Cornerstone by Styx was, was number three. That has Babe on it. And um, In Through the Outdoor from Led Zeppelin was number Interesting. two. Yeah. Wow. Um, all right. I'm reading a book right now written by Carol Ann Harris called Storms, My Life mm. with Lindsay Buckingham and Fleetwood Mac. So she wow. was Lindsay's girlfriend after Stevie. They started dating around the rumors time frame and I think through 80, 1984. So I'm only like two thirds of the way through it. Um because I wanted to read what she had to say about, you know, the making of Tusk. She said that Lindsay built a home studio in the maid quarters of his mansion and that the vocal booth, which he had set up and where he also set up the drums were essentially in the bathroom. And a few of the songs that you're going to hear may or may not have been those recordings from the bathroom. Yeah, well, the demos, that's where the demos were made. Yeah, that's so So, if you listen to the deluxe version where the demos are, those are definitely the bathroom recordings. So I thought that was, that was crazy. The one other thing that I got from the book was she mentions at one point the Warner Brother execs heard the album. They gave the congratulations to the band, but then they were kind of disappointed. They didn't hear Rumors Part 2. But then she says to Lindsay how proud she is of him that he made the record he wanted to make and that the music is like the clash and the talking heads. Mm. And and I don't think that this is his songs are anything like the clash or talking heads. Talk talk me out of that sentiment, Wayne. Oh no, yeah, I, I guess in comparison to rumors, <laughs> it is yeah. It, yeah. It, from a from I guess it's all perspective. Okay. Um, all right. One last thing before we go track by track. So one, one article that I read said that, um, the members of the band sometimes blamed the, the failure of it to not sell more records was that the RKO radio chain played the album in its entirety prior to the release of it and that because everybody was recording stuff off the radio um they didn't have to go into tower records or wherever buying this really expensive double album and they just taped it off the radio i think that's tenuous at best but um it is but it's a double album that i've heard that too actually they say due to inflation adding for inflation it costs 56 dollars. yeah wow that's i mean I heard that, and then I also have heard that it's less of it could be less of that and more that other radio stations were mad that this station got the exclusive, so they just didn't play. 
record oh. as much. So who knows? That's a that's a different angle. Yeah, fifty six dollars is is not that's not cheap. I mean, I just bought the the Tom Petty Wildflowers and the rest. It's a it's a three record deal. It's it's the their original the original album with the other songs that were left off of what Petty was originally going to do. He was going to do a double album for Wildflowers. And mm-hmm. I spent 40 bucks for that. And also the way I read yeah. it, it makes it sound like Mick Fleetwood was just determined to make a double album because I don't, one of my criticisms of this is that I think this would have been an amazing 10 or 12 song record. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know that they, they ended up with enough songs to make a double record, but he was determined to do it. Um, and in his own way, uh, it sounded the way I read it, it sounded like they didn't build him a studio. So he was going to make a double record to screw the record company over. And in the end, yeah, I mean, that's uh, the fans hurt. That's all you're hurting is the people that had to, cause this isn't, if you're looking for what's after rumors, you're you're probably going to be disappointed and not want to spend the sixteen ninety nine and nineteen seventy nine dollars. Yeah, but I like Mirage. Yeah. I do too, and I you know, like, and that's like, that's why Tusk is. It's a it's a huge contradiction in my mind because you have Lindsay, you know, who knows how many of these final vocal takes were recorded in his house, which a home studio in the seventies is. You know that's that's that doesn't happen now. Obviously, everyone has a home studio, and and then and then this is the most expensive record ever made at that time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and I do think a lot of it was probably to spite the record company. <laughs> um, you know, they didn't. I heard they didn't let they didn't let um, any A and R anyone pass the reception desk for like pretty much the entire year they made this record. Interesting. I yeah. can see that. I can see that. All right. You guys ready to dive in track by track? Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. So as a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? Well, I've never said this before. 20. <laughs> <laughs> I love being extra. Absolutely. Which means uh, top song is going to get 20 points. Nick's favorite, 19 on down to lowest score of one. So we're going to kick this off with... Over and over. This is a Christine song. I love this song. However, I've said this before on the podcast and Wayne, you know exactly where I'm going with this. I want to be punched in the face for the opening track. You know, I want secondhand news or I want Monday morning on the self-titled Fleetwood Mac um, or even big love on tango in the night. But this song, um, this doesn't punch you in the face. It's great song, but it's a lulling song. So what, what do you guys think about this as an opening track? Were they, was this another, um, 
statement that they were making? I think so. I think it's super intentional. Like, not to get to the second track already, but to go from over and over to the ledge, I mean, that that's whiplash. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I, I feel like perhaps they wanted the audience maybe to feel a little safe at first before going into these manic Lindsey Buckingham songs. Right. Um, but I, I agree. I do. I do always appreciate a, a driving captivating first song. And I love Christine McVie to death. I really do. And I love this song. Um, and I think I've come to accept it as the first song of the record, but it's definitely an interesting choice, but I feel yeah. like it was totally intentional. Wayne, your thoughts? If it's intentional, then I I give him credit for that because I this isn't to me this isn't the way you start this record. I and I you know I think this song ends a side, not even I mean it ends one, you know one of the sides in between. I don't know that you start with it. I to me I I think I would have started with the t- self title you know the title track, um, which is so different from anything Fleetwood Mac that I had ever heard at least in the Buckingham Knicks kind of era. So I I thought as an opener it was it was a poor choice. I love Christine McVie's voice. Like I her voice is so like dense. It's got this smokiness to it, and mm-hmm. this is okay. But I I just I think she really shines on another track. Uh, I just wouldn't have. I would have even gone with uh, Think About Me before I would have gone with this to start. So I get the benefit of seeing everybody's scores in advance, <laughs> and so so as I was finalizing all of our scores here's my notes next to this wayne ready i'm ready i expected this because he's the same bastard who gave songbird a really low score on the rumors <sighs> so well it just doesn't jake you with me on that anywhere. one where it's not it doesn't yeah. have high oh, this song doesn't no, go anywhere no. it just stays in this really middle ground and i do like it a lot better than some of the other Christine, Christine McVie songs on here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It is a, it is a really bold, bold and somewhat subdued choice for the first song. But I think if you take the song out of context, it is an excellent song. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's why this is my 19. I love. This wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I love Christine. And and it's not just to piss you off, Wayne, because I had my I had my score done in advance, but I I I I just kind of felt like you were gonna you were gonna take a dump on this one, and so um yeah all right tell tell us your score so we can boo you a seven. All right, Jake. I'm in the middle. I'm fourteen. All right, next song is the ledge, as you mentioned. This is the second shortest song on the record, clocking in at two oh seven, and yeah, this is a this is a Buckingham song. Um, mm-hmm. Jake, get us going on this one. The guitar on this song is so interesting, and I didn't. I guess i I've come to accept Tusk. I think before you know, I said I wanted to do this for this for this podcast. 
I I guess I accepted it and then, you know, kind of studying it the past few days. It it is a manic kind of just masculine force of a song. And again, to come after this sweet Christine McVie song is so funny to me. Um, but, but I love it. And I love, I, I, I admire any bold art form. And I, I think this is a bold art form. I don't love the lyrics. I don't really love a lot of the lyrics on this record, actually. Um, yeah. I think this record's way more about the feeling um, than, than anything. So that's the ledges for me. Um, and a lot of the, I think I'll probably say this a lot. A lot of the Lindsay songs on this record run together in my mind. <laughs> no, me oh, too. This one particularly yeah. too. There's, um, yeah, like I say, I give this one higher than its other version that comes later in the, in the record. Cause I, I really version. think this could exactly. have been 10 or 12 <laughs> songs and this could have been, people wouldn't talk about it with mixed feelings. But like I say, um, I don't know if I wrote it down. That's enough for me. Is is almost the exact same song. So you you know and this one's better than that one. So throw it out. But he said he was going for some sort of like rockabilly on acid, and it sounds like an electro jug band. I do like it, and I, I do like. I love that he came at it with. I'm not gonna. Ma- I don't want to. Ma- I don't want to be a part of rumors too, because I, I don't think the other two songwriters we're in agreement with him. So he's thumbing the nose at the industry and he he's inspired by Joe Strummer and Elvis Costello. And you know yeah. what? There's you're good with me if that's what you're trying to do. Yeah. 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 I did read that there were three tracks on this that were recorded solely by Buckingham. So he's that's, that's just him. Um, this is one of them. So if if you're hearing the backing vocals, um, you're not hearing Stevie and Christine from what I gather. Um, and if you've listened to his solo work, you know that the backing vocals are typically Lindsay overdubs anyways. Um, and I haven't been able to confirm this, um, though I've, I've had a couple people tell me that the song big love, the grunting noises, mm-hmm. the one, the one that sounds like a, a female that's actually Lindsay sped up to make it sound female. Interesting. Well, yeah, they did a lot of really, really fascinating things with speeding up tape with um, Tango the night. So that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Um, We good on ledge. Should we get scores? Let's get off the ledge. All right, Jake, your score. (laughs) I give it a nine. Wayne. 11. And this is my 12th. All right, next song is Think About Me. song um this was the third single released in the u.s didn't didn't do much though um reached the top 30 um that's it what do you guys think about this that 
Let, can I just say one thing on Christine's songs, with the exception of over and over, the the lyrics for each of her songs are super sparse. I think. Yeah, and, and a little bit corny. This one, this is classic Fleetwood Mac. This is I, I, I love this song. I love her her bouncy piano. I love the fuzzy guitar that Lindsay puts in it. And like I say, you can't. I know Lindsay doesn't like to you to other people getting involved, but you cannot replace when Christine McVie sings and Lindsay and Stevie do the harmonies. That's that's mm-hmm. gold. That's magic. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. This is totally a classic. I mean, this this could have been on um, the self-titled album that came before Rumors. Mm-hmm. Um, it just like feels in that vein. But yeah, Wayne's totally right. Like the it is a again. I'm like a complete lyric person, which is again. I was thinking how funny it was that I kind of picked this record because it's. <laughs> I don't think that lyrically inspiring. <laughs> no. um, but. That I mean, that just co- goes to the point that the chorus. I mean, the chorus, those harmonies, like that. That is, I think that's why Fleetwood Mac works <laughs> and did what it did. All right, scores, Wayne, seventeen, Jake, ten, <laughs> and then my score is eleven. All right, wow. next song is "Save Me a Place." is another Buckingham song um, and not a whole lot. In fact, I have zero notes on this. Anyone have notes on this one? Um, That's how little yeah, I, I have some notes. A couple of times it sounds like he's about to break into a yodel, which I think I would have preferred. <laughs> um, it sounds like he's trying to be country and he's completely missing. And there's this, there's a string instrument and I, I'm assuming it's a guitar or some sort of guitar that is, it, it's uh, it's grating. Be the only nicest way okay. to say it. <laughs> this is another so, one of the songs that Lindsay did by himself. Yeah, and, sh- and it should have been left on the cutting room floor. <laughs> and it should have been left in his mansion. <laughs> yeah, in the bathroom studio. Left in the bathroom. In the bathroom. I think the the the. Vocal production on this record is really interesting to me, though, and like the the background vocals at the end of the song, um, the ooh uh, ooh uh, ooh. That's yeah. on this again. I think these ones, all pretty much all of Lindsay's songs on this record run together for me. Um, not all of them, but some of them. Um, again, like I just I admire the creative risks and the musical choices um, on this. I mean, you hear the stories of like, oh, he was doing push-ups while doing these background vocals and all that stuff, which isn't crazy. I mean, everyone does, everyone does weird. People are doing weird things in the studio forever. I mean, Pet Sounds is out before sure. this record. Yeah. Um, but and um, Lindsay was a massive Beach Boys fan, by uh, the way. Yeah, huge. Totally. Yeah. He always talks about, I mean, he talks about Ryan Wilson a lot in interviews when I was reading and yep. um, yeah, like that was, you, uh, uh, there are a lot of similarities, I think, or at least you can, you can see the inspiration. 
um, between pet sounds. And I feel like Lindsey Buckingham, at least in this point, and this is probably bold to say, I think he kind of wanted to be like Brian Wilson in that way, kind of the creative force behind the band. Yeah, no, so, I can see yeah. that. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. All right, um, this is my three, Wayne. Also my three. And then Jake. Seven. All right, leads us to the first Stevie Nicks song on the record. This is Sarah. But now it's This was the second single off the record. Um, hit number seven in the U.S. That's where it peaked for three weeks. I should have looked to see what songs were ahead of it because this is just a masterpiece. I love this song. Uh, the album version is six minutes, 22 minutes. The edited version is four and four minutes and 41 seconds. That's the one that you're going to hear on uh, on the radio um i think my two favorite stevie songs might be on this record mm-hmm. um i'm not sure because i really love silver springs that that might be in contention yeah. for my favorite stevie song wayne is your favorite stevie song on this record no my favorite stevie song is gold dust woman um okay probably See, edge of 17 had that edge He's always got that. Got to have that edge. Um, oh yeah, Jake. What What do you have to say about the witch here? Oh my god, I mean, Sarah. I think you're right. Sarah is a masterpiece. Um, I love the. I don't know if you read this before, but she, she said the original song is like 16 minutes long. <laughs> no. And there's actually like the there's a nine minute version that came out. I think in that's on the deluxe version. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where she's she says at the beginning. I don't want to be a cleaning lady. And I, yeah, I want to be a star. I want to be a star, which it's so funny. Cause at that point she was saying that like she was extremely high on cocaine and a multimillionaire, but, um, but it is funny to picture Stevie Nicks. And I actually like, I think I teared up one time thinking about this. Um, thinking, uh, well, I think I was thinking of landslide because she was, I mean, she says she was really thinking about giving up and just being an English teacher. Um, not that just being a teacher is giving help. Obviously, we need teachers. <laughs> uh, we love teachers, but it is. I I think I started to picture this alternate universe where Stevie Nicks is a um, is a teacher somewhere in Southern California, and it makes me feel weird. Anyway, that's a tangent. Um, <laughs> Sarah, <laughs> Sarah is an excellent song. I love think my my mom. My parents kind of raised me in Fleetwood Mac, and she said, my mom said she had, like, the Sarah sheet music and, and played it. So it's always felt very kind of special yeah. to me. Um, and with any with any Fleetwood Mac song, but in particular this one, there's so many rumors <laughs> um, about what it's about. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, and I think that's, like, the beauty and the voyeurism of Fleetwood Mac, too, is that it's never not personal with the people who are actually in the band. 
Yeah. And that kind of goes back to what I was asking you earlier about, you know, having your songs being so, so personal. I mean, if, if the rumors are correct, that this is about, um, you know, the unborn child that she gave up, um, had an abortion because she was you know, dating Don Henley at the time, et cetera, et cetera. Um, or this is her alter ego or whatever. But I mean, think about all the songs that are on rumor, how deeply personal all those are. And if this song is, if any of the, you know, the, the hints and allegations are correct on, on this song, she's singing this every night. Like yeah. how, do, how can you sing those super personal songs and not, and not throw the emotion out of the, the songs you're, you're keeping the emotion in, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it's like to sing the same song for 40 years. Um, I don't even know what it's like to be 40 years old. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Right. Cause I actually asked a friend that recently, I was like, what do you think? What do you think Stevie Nicks thinks about when she's singing dreams for probably the 10,000, 10, maybe more, maybe more times than 10,000 times. I don't know. She knows how to channel it. So I've seen her live three times and she still knows how to, to make you believe at least she's there. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, that'd be a great question for her. Cause I, I know what it's like to, you know, sing a song a year and a half after writing it about something that was really heavy to me. And I can still go there, but 40 years, I mean, damn. Right. Darn. Yeah. <laughs> Wayne, what do you got on this one? This is Fleetwood Mac Cannon, and it and I love it for uh, musically. I love that that ethereal acoustic guitar that's playing. I mean, the harmonies, uh, but it it is in the vein of Dreams and Rihanna and, and Gypsy. And so, while I, I think it's a great song, and I do think um, she she definitely goes in between because her best friend was Sarah. She and that's who end up marrying Mick Fleetwood. Um, but there's clear references. Um, I think wait a minute, baby is the opening line. So there's, uh, yeah. Call me home. There's lots of references. It feels like to that, to that unborn child, but also there's, it's, it's mixed in with this, her, her best friend that ended up marrying her lover at the time at one point. Yeah. 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 And drowning in the sea of love where everyone would love to drown, I think is probably my favorite lyric on Tusk. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I know we've we've talked about this a number of times on the podcast, Wayne, about instrumentation on certain songs being overpowering. Um like if you just listen like I, w- I was trying to listen to each of the parts separately because I you know we'll listen to these records four or five times before we get our scores down. Lindsay's guitar work on this is beautiful. Christine's piano work is fantastic. Mixed drumming is spot on. Oh, yeah. well, the, I think John's bass work on this is super underappreciated. The, but the snare he does something with the snare that that gives it this weird just. Whole, Different sound, but perfect for the song. Yeah. And none of it's yeah. overpowering. So tasteful. Yeah. So good. Anyways, this is this is my top song on this record. Um, 20. This gets my 20. Wow. Jake, how about you? It's my 18. 
And then Wayne? 14. All right. Uh, <laughs> I know. We're, hold hold your vitriol for, for later, Jake, because we're I, – I, I, I sent I sent Wayne a, a nasty text when I got his scores earlier. <laughs> let's let's flip over to the second side. So this is what makes you think you're the one. Another Lindsay song, and um, Wayne, get us started on this. Oh, I love this song, and I and I mean, I love that it's it's so it's different. Um, but I I love I can say writing. He does. There's a lot of very sparse lyrical arrangements, and in this one, it's somewhere in between. But the, I love the first verse is why do you you know why do you think you're so special that you that you, you can laugh without crying and you can live without dying. And then the second part is why do you think that I would be the one to bail you out and to catch you when you're, when you're falling? Uh, so he's, he's still got some of that bitterness and I don't know who it's directed at cause, uh, it could be leftover from Stevie. It could be for his new girlfriend. It could just be that he does seem to have a certain amount of paranoia, uh, romantically in all of his songs. But I just, I, I love what he did here. Yeah, reading the book, um, things weren't super rosy in that relationship. <laughs> um, and uh, I think Lindsay was a little bit manic, maybe still is a little bit manic. So I'm not sure if, yeah, I'm not sure if the lyrics are left over for Stevie or other girlfriends. Because um, if it's directed at, the, the girlfriend during that time period that there's probably a couple songs on this record that might be. And so the one thing her. that also stood out to me is that he's the guitar player and he's a, and he's an incredible guitar player an underrated guitar player, but most this song is mainly a drum and piano kind of, a, and he just does these real cool kind of flourishes at the end of, at the end of different sections of the song, he just kind of flies in and, whip something out, but overall it's more piano and drums than anything else. And no harmonies. Like you said, he, he, he just sings it with this, this beautiful sarcasm. Yeah. Jake, what do you got on this one? Well, I was going to add to that. I, I think one of the reasons we don't think about Lindsay Buckingham as one of, at least, you know, the general public doesn't think of him as one of the greatest guitar players is because he is so tasteful in his playing. And I feel like, for the most part really serves the song through and through like he's you know especially on rumors like it's never just this oh look at me i'm playing guitar moment it's always it always feels natural but it's really complicated stuff um all the finger picking and yeah so that's my little little tangent yes he is i feel like one of the i mean famously prince said i think i'm this you should probably fact check this, but I have heard that Prince said that Lindsey Buckingham was his favorite guitar player. Um, yeah. Anyway, what makes you think that one? I appreciate how 
it's a very subtle production, you know, and I, I, I love the piano. I'm a piano player, so I really love the piano tone on this one. Um, okay. It's not my favorite of the Lindsay songs on this, on this record. Um, and you know, it's funny, like even looking at my score right now, I still think it's pretty close to what I feel right now, but this record really depends on what mood I'm in. Like, and I, I think when I scored this, I, I needed more of the, the Stevie Christine songs, yeah. but sometimes like, I guess when I was listening more today, I was like, God, like, Lindsay was, he was onto something, onto some feeling. And this is just a really good breakup song. <laughs> like, it's a great pop song, which I feel like is why, why Lindsay Buckingham could never be the Talking Heads with a clash. Well, he's not, but because he's a great down the middle pop songwriter. Yeah. Um, these are like, if these were produced in a rumors way, I think it, it would sound amazing too <laughs> if that makes any sense yeah and if you have any doubts about how great a guitar player Lindsay is um just go check out the live record that he did i think it was 2008 um live at the bass performance hall if i if i'm getting this right i'm looking it up right now yes live at the uh, bass performance hall um, he starts out the record with Not Too Late, which was a song off of his uh, forthcoming record. And it's just, it'll it'll blow you away. Meltrific. It's just yeah. amazing. And, and the live performance of just him doing Big Love. Holy mm. crap. Holy crap. Yeah, that's unbelievable. See, I just got to see that twice in person. And I mean, yeah. melt, melted to the floor. yep yep yep. all right um scores on what makes you think you're the one wayne 16 all right this is my six and then jake eight all right next song is storms I think I, I mentioned the so the the book that I keep referring to. Um, she named it Storms. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, lots of speculation about this song. Is this about Lindsay? Is it about Mick? Is it about Don Henley? <laughs> Is it about all of them? Anyone? Anyone? I. I don't think them? we'll ever know. I think, and I, I, I mean, that's one thing. God love Stevie Nicks. She's really good at stoking the fire of the rumor. I mean, even just saying, um, even just saying, I don't remember what interview. I I really was so obsessed with Umax for a long time, so I really watched a lot of interviews. But she's, she says, and this wasn't the, I can't remember what tour it was, but she says, Lindsay and I stay in different hotels, (laughs) not in different rooms or different floors. We stay in different hotels because who knows what would happen if we were in the same hotel, <laughs> you know, like, I think that's kind of, I mean, that's when the songs become more than the songs is because you become so invested with who is this about? Um, which is so fascinating. Yeah. I love storms though. I really do. I think, I think it's a, 
a beautiful song. It makes me think of a lot of things. I remember the first time I really feel like I heard it. I was on like a family vacation in New Orleans, feeling so emo in the backseat. And then my freshman year of college, when I was kind of like preparing for a breakup, like I just remember, you know, staring up at the ceiling in my little twin bed that I'm extremely too long for and um, <laughs> listening to the song and just be like, oh my God, she gets me. So it's a good one. Yeah. In my book. I, I think this song is really about just self reconciliation, yeah. isn't well, it? Even, I mean, the, well, the, the lines of, of I've never been a blue calm sea. I've always been a storm where it's, I don't know if she's like laying the gauntlet down and giving a warning for any future suitors that you're not going to be able to handle me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, I think, to, I think even the chorus has some kind of feels a bit reference to the, to the, once again, that baby topic with the, my body tries to cry living through each empty night and, deadly calm inside. I mean, maybe it could be a little over the top, but I think she's mixing a lot of things together at once. My only thing about this, and maybe this is pretentious, but it's a song called storms and musically there's absolutely no conflict or tension. It just kind of, Mm. it doesn't, doesn't feel like a storm. I mean, lyrically, yes, you know, she's got turmoil. It's, you know, life stuff, but musically it never, Nothing ever built or, or you know, descended. It just all stayed very flat. It didn't feel like a storm at all. Yeah, I, I totally, I totally get that. I, I, I again feel like that was intentional. Like I feel like it's a sadder lyric because of that. Like it's on this canvas. It's, it's very. It feels like smooth water, um, or it feels like like a very just kind of deep ocean of a song and. Um, but there's so many contradictions on this record. So it just, I guess I've come to accept it. Like, you know, all these Lindsay songs are like literally 400 beats per minute. Um, a lot of them sound pretty happy, but they're all pretty like brutal lyrics. <laughs> um, it just, I guess it's just what Tusk is. I, I, I wonder if she, she brought this in and to your point, Wayne, I wonder if there was a buildup like Rhiannon or buildup for Gold Dust Woman that either they said or she made the conscious decision of I'm not going to go there and stay true to that formula and I'll just I'll keep this pretty even keel and this is this is the song I'm going to strip back that formula a little bit. It's possible. Maybe. I don't know. We'll never know. Yeah. Or they'll release a, or or they'll release like a a a third deluxe album and we'll get that version. Right. <laughs> or Stevie can join yeah, us on the podcast right. and we I can talk about it. I was just going to say that. Hey. Somebody knows that we don't know Stevie Nicks. That's right. That's right. Aim if big. you bring her on, you have to bring me on. <laughs> I, I say we can agree to that right now. That is a deal. Yeah. I'll do. If Stevie Nicks I'll agrees be. to do this podcast, you I will give up the co-hosting seat for that. Yeah. I'll be, yeah, I'll be mad if not. (laughs) So thank you. To quote Christine, we'll, we will think about you. Oh yeah. There we go. Um, (laughs) All right. Wayne, your score. So I can make fun of you. A five. You're ridiculous. Um, This is my 18. Jake, 
My 17. Okay. And next song is That's All for Everyone. course we're all over the place for this one um jake get us started on this buckingham song this is actually for whatever reason i think my favorite Lindsay song on the record um it is very psychedelic it's a very it's very like i don't again i don't know if it belongs on this record or belongs anywhere but it as uh i don't know I don't even know really know how to put into words to like, it makes me feel cool. It makes me feel like, it feels like it could be like, uh, I think there actually is a cover of it by, um, I can't remember their name right now, but, um, I'll think of it later. Yeah. I just, there's something about the song and the production that I feel cool when I listen to it. I don't really know how to put that into words. <laughs> It's just, it's just maybe because it's a, it's one of the slower Lindsay songs too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's all for my everyone. Only, yeah. My only notes on this is pet sounds. That's all I put. Yeah. You're right. There it is. Wayne, what do you got? Well, number one, I want to answer Jake's question. It's Tame Impala uh, that did the yes. cover this. Oh, um, okay. I don't, I don't dislike the song. If it wasn't here, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily miss it. I mean, if those eight to 10 songs I think could have been cut. Um, I do think that it fits at least thematically with what he was trying to do, because this song feels like it's about a guy who's not comfortable or he's a little bit frustrated by having to be somebody else or having to write or being pressured to write songs that aren't what he, what he wants to do. So I think it fits that way, but it does have that, like they say, that psychedelic, kind of a psychedelic kind of feel to it, but it doesn't, it's it's just one of those songs that's there. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Lindsay's so good at melodies too, which is, I think, what I admire about the song, like the, that's all, like I think it's like a piano or something. It's, yeah. And as as you were saying, Pet Sounds, I I got the, like the Tusk, deluxe one that came out like five years ago mm. and literally a Lindsay quote right here about this song this was influenced by brian wilson <laughs> there you go you're spot there on it <laughs> yeah, there it is all right this is my five wayne 10 and then jake 15 yeah like i said we're all over the place oh here's another one that we're going to be all over the place um not that funny stop You get us started. Well, I, and for 
In the context of Fleetwood Mac and the band that just made rumors, this is very post-punk new wave. And yeah. I think, and I say he references that, I think, right away uh, when you don't know what it is, but you can't get enough of it. So he's he's somehow embracing this these, this other style of music and these other types of music that are out there that aren't what his band is known for or what he's known for. Um, but it's got this, and I think there is a piano that I'm assuming is Christine McVie in the background, but the, the keyboard that really makes the, has the big, is the big star of the show with that bouncy piano, I think is Lindsay. So, uh, but, and this is the one I think where he, to get, uh, he wanted something weird on the vocals. And so they taped the microphones to the floor and then he got in a push up position to record the vocals. Oh, that's it. Okay. But it's almost um, like he's saying it's not that funny, uh, Johnny Rotten, when Fleetwood <laughs> Mac starts trying to do punk songs. <laughs> uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, Think About Me was the third single. Um, technically, this was the third single. Think About Me was the B-side to it. I heard that wow. one was released in America and one was released in the UK. Yeah. So this was not released as a single in the U.S. It was released as the single in the U.K., Germany, and the Netherlands is what I what I got. So so if you got the deluxe version, there is a slightly different remix on the deluxe version that was intended for the radio, which, um, yeah, I never heard this on the radio. Um, not in the Fleetwood Mac canon. Um, anything else on this one? Not that funny? No, um, it stresses me out. <laughs> yeah. It really, it stresses me out. It's, it's, yeah, that's all I have to say. Uh, this, so here, here's notes. I should never write notes down at like 1130 at night. Cause <laughs> here, here are my notes on this one. I put not that funny question mark, not that memorable. Yeah. I mean, I can sing it back to you, but I don't know if I want to. I don't know please, if I want to. Please, please. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. This is my two. Jake. It's my five. And then Wayne. Thirteen. Wayne gave him extra <laughs> kudos oh, for doing something different. So For trying. Yeah. All right participation trophy right there um all right sisters of the moon is next I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna roll it over to you because <laughs> this is my this brand. Is Stevie, this is your, this is a Stevie song. So go this, for it. This, okay, here, something about Tusk for me in general. It's definitely, it's an October record. Like it usually around October first, October second. As soon as it starts getting a little cooler, like that's when I listen to Tusk. Like this whole month is usually when I listen to Tusk and. This song is kind of the epitome of that 
And it's, I mean, it's everything like Stevie Nicks, Stevie Nicks does so well, which is just these kind of broad, you know, she did it with Rian and she does a gold dust woman. These like broadly written mysterious lyrics that paint the picture of this ethereal goddess. And what's amazing about it is she be, she becomes that. Like, she becomes that on stage. Yeah. Um, so Sister of the Moon, for me, it always sits really well. And I think the production is stunning. I think it, again, is is classic. I mean, this is Rumors Part 2. Um, but the the end of the pre-chorus where she holds out the me and the the melody of the the guitar and the bass after that, it's... It's infectious, and I understand why they they still do the song in their live sets. Um, I think it's one of two songs from or three. I think they only do three songs from Tusk in live sets now, and this one definitely deserves to be part of that, yeah. in my opinion. This was the fourth single off the record. It only peaked at eighty six, which is yeah. It's not really a single. I feel like no, no, not really. Um, and and here's where I think the genius of, you know, whoever put together the sequencing, you do realize that both sides of the first record end with a Stevie Nicks song. Sarah and then this one. Yes. Because they, they know these are album closers. Those are album closer songs. Yeah. Yeah. You want to flip it over. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. To see what's next. Um, sometimes you're rewarded for it. Um, exactly. Wayne. What do you got? Well, musically, I feel like I've heard it before with all the songs that Jake just mentioned. Um, but you just wanted the formula. You told us with the... Never mind. Just... Lyrically, <laughs> no, though, I, I do. I think one of the best lines I've ever heard her uh, say is, in a Black Widow spider makes more sound than she. Uh, so it, it has this great, uh, is it a drug reference? Is it a death reference? Uh, I feel like... It, heroin is a little is it's more it's darker more like heroin but it'll work for cocaine too but uh she does paint much more it's got this nice dark imagery and and like i say i liked it i just felt like i heard it before okay the quote so as rolling stone asked her about this song and she says i honestly don't know what the hell this song is about <laughs> I was about to bring up that quote, actually. So, so great. Oh, and um, my last notes are Lindsay's solos on this song. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Great. Jake, your score. This is my 20. Wayne. Eight. Wow. This is my 16. All right. Um, so now we go to the second record and we're going to start it out with Angel. This is another Stevie Nicks song. Um, I'm just going to punt it over to Wayne because this is where my text from earlier comes into play. 
Go, Wayne. Well, I originally had this lower, but as the more times I listen to it, I it's it almost sounds like a Christine McVie song. Like it's got that like that bouncier kind of a feel to it and not for lack of a better word, you know, kind of moody. Uh, so I it, it just grew on me and grew on me and like I say it's nothing like I've heard from her and the song it her songs always seem so sad. And this one, this one had a very you're so vain vibe to it. Like she's specifically speaking to somebody, you know, like that towards the end where it's like, uh, I still look up when you walk in the room and then I try not to reach out when you turn around, you say hello. So it's definitely got this you're so vain vibe to it that I really liked also. So it's just, that's this, this is, this is a great Stevie Dick song. Sleeper. All right. Point, Jake, counterpoint. <laughs> okay. I have a huge counterpoint. I love Stevie Nicks. She's, you know, top. That's not top, a counterpoint. Top five. With- <laughs> but what I will say <laughs> is that when a Stevie Nicks song for me is either A plus or kind of a D. Wow. <laughs> and this song fails on many levels for me. Lyrics, it's the same chord progression as Dreams, but it sounds like like if this song was on Rumors, it would ruin Rumors. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with that. Go. The yeah. lyric, you feel good. I said, it's funny that you understood. I knew you would. When you were good, you were very, very good. What the hell? What? I know they were on a lot of drugs, but like, I mean, so are the Beatles. <laughs> maybe not in the studio, right. though. I think that's maybe not in the studio. Maybe not in the studio. Um, yeah, I I think this is a phoning it in Stevie Nicks song. So I thought it was interesting. So uh, there was always something off on this song to me. Like it, and I'm told I'm. So let me just read this quote from Stevie about this this song. She said, I wanted to write a rock and roll song. It started out much sillier than it came out, and it didn't end up being silly at all. It ended up being very serious, actually. But when I started it, it was just, I thought this is good for me since I write so many like intense, serious, dark songs that I wanted to write something that was up, but it starts out that way, and it is up, but there's a definite eeriness that goes through that song that I didn't even know was there until just the other night when you were filming this. So they were filming some stuff on uh, for, for the making of Tusk. She says, I think it's a fun song at the start, and then it kind of goes a little dark as the song progresses, and I never picked up on that until this week in my last re-listens of the record. Yeah, it does go dark. Anyways. Yeah, it does. All right. <laughs> Yeah, and enough about angels. So, um, Wayne, your score? I gave it a nineteen. I liked it. It just kept growing on me. Uh, just yeah. this that score over Sarah in storms. You're just yeah, clicking. <laughs> Jake, your score? One. This is your, <laughs> this is your D. I like it. I like it. Uh, and this is this is my four. All right. And then next song is That's Enough for Me. 
Wayne, get us started on the shortest song on the record. Well, I liked it. The I liked it more the first time I heard it when it was called "The Ledge." Um, <laughs> I think he's he's doing it on purpose. So, yeah, I I I, I say I liked. I think he got a lot more. The Lindsay songs got a lot more points. I think for me because I he was bucking the system and doing stuff completely different. That's Wayne's he, wheelhouse, right sometimes, there. Sometimes bucking the system. Sometimes when you're causing a problem, <laughs> just that's out. I love that. Uh, so, but I, I will absolutely admit that, uh, this song sounds it, like that guitar starts to sound like a banjo at one point. So the score, I don't, I guess I'm, I'm looking at my score now and I'm not quite figuring out, but I do, there's some songs from Christine McVie that are, that are the reason that this was even able to, that I even had a 12 available. Okay. All right. Um, Jake, anything on this one? This one, yeah, Wayne said it right. I this is a there are two songs that sound very similar to me, and one probably could have been one would have been toss. Yeah. Um, one would have been enough, but that was not enough for Lindsay yeah, Buckingham. There you go. <laughs> All right, this is my seven, Wayne 12, and then Jake. This is my four. All right, next song is Brown Eyes. looking at scores and you guys don't agree with me on this one, which is cool. Um, there's not a lot to the lyrics. I guess I always thought there was more to the lyrics of the song, but I will tell you, I always look forward to hearing this song. It's a mood piece. Um, I love the band kind of jamming in this ethereal mood. Um, and how can you not like the fact that, uh, According to lore, Peter Green is on this one as well. I think that's actually cited. Yeah, I don't think it's just lore. Yeah, he got credit. Is he credited for it? Okay. Yeah, yeah I guess yeah. there's more. They yeah. only in the the Tusk the the other there is a apparently a version on the deluxe with more of his guitar, but in the original release, there's it's just at the end. But okay. That's the 2015 deluxe version, which I think I have the 2004 version of it, which come on. Do you really need that many deluxe versions of it? There'll be another one in yeah. 10 years. Oh, there will be. Got a lot of- Fleetwood Mac is loving the deluxe editions yes, the past they. like 10 years. Yes, they are. That's why I've got, I've got actually how many versions of rumors do I have? So I've got it three times on CD um, and I've got the record as well. So, yeah, they've definitely got my money for rumors. Yep. Um, yeah. Fleetwood Mac also has my money. They have a lot of my money. Yeah. 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 Anyways, this is my 17. I, lo- I love this song. Um, Wayne, your score? It's a four. Uh, the drums are too far up in the mix. The whispery voice thing. I don't know. I've She's she can. 
she can do better than this. Goes on way too long for for what they have. For the amount of lyrics they have, it goes on way too long. Again, when I saw your score, I'm like, again, this is the bastard who scored Songbird low. Um, Jake, your score? Songbird would probably be one of my top ones from Rumors, but this one is a six on mine. I I agree. I think it's, it's, again, I love Christine McVie with my whole heart. I just don't think it's her best. It's the same reason why I can give Angel a one, because it's like, I love you, so do better. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next one is Never Make Me Cry. I'm just going to kick it over to Wayne because I see his score. Oh, I come you hate Christine so much. And and that's the thing is I don't, I mean, as far of, of all the voices of Fleetwood back, I like hers most. And this, this once again, I Lindsay can pull off the, the sparse lyrics that you just repeat a couple of times and, and kind of put these different musical things in between and, and it, and it's interesting and it's not, a normal Fleetwood Mac song, but she does. There's nothing, there's no, there's no meaty lyrics in this. She makes, you know, some, some, some soft references to you'll never make me cry, but I'm not sure that I believe her. Um, And like I said, it's like, it was a good idea for a chorus, but there's nothing else to it. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a whole lot to the lyrics. Actually, there's not a whole lot to the song. Mm -mm. It's a simple song. Yeah. Still pretty, um, Jake. It, what what it you is? Got? It, well, I was going to say, I I agree. I think I think it is a beautiful song. I mean, I think it. And I, what I do love, despite this album kind of feeling like a Lindsay record plus two EPs by um, Stevie and Christine, they they do balance each other, and I think this song is kind of like. And like, same with over and over, I feel like it's like the moment you can breathe um, in between Lindsay's mania. Um, right. So I appreciate it in that way, and I think I think it's kind of it's kind of what Chris, what I love the most about Christine is, you know, I again I don't think this is her best lyric, but I do think she's being earnest, and I just want the best for her. So. <laughs> I just I like this one. <laughs> you're you're so kind. Like I like her. I feel like I people need better. to appreciate like, Christine more. I can even see you like you know through the headphones where you're like you know kind of just politely clapping your hand where you're like Christine giving her giving her a thumbs better. up. Come on, come on, girl, you got this. You got come on. exactly yeah. exactly. All right, uh, scores Wayne one. Jake. 13. And this is my nine. And then last song on side three. I know I'm not wrong.
just, I love that synth riff. It almost sounds like an accordion. Like he's going all in. Like he's, he's not even, he's, I just love it. Musically, it, like I grew up in the 80s with you. And uh, this is just like almost like pogo dancing new wave. This is, he's just killing it. Uh, and I and I say the theory, uh, the the sentiment of the whole song is, sorry, babe, but I'm no good, and I and I am not wrong. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jake, what do you got on this it's, one? It's such a good melody, like it really is. Like the please, please, I'm no that which again proves the point. That's like, and yeah, and then the da, na, 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 like those are incredible melodies. And which, which is, again, what's so funny about Tusk is, like, they took such a drastic choice on the production of these songs that I think maybe you can forget that, like, these, I think some of these are on the same caliber as rumors as far as just, like, the song as a song. Um, they're just so drastically different sonically that we forget. But, um, yeah, this is one of my more favorite Lindsay ones on this record. Yeah, me too. Um the notes that I've got here were, uh, according to Lindsay, this was both the first and the last song that they worked on for the record. <laughs> Said it took them almost a year to complete. Um, and this is the one that, uh, according to a couple different things that I read, um, the ec- there's an extra drum part, which is Lindsay hitting Kleenex boxes. Uh, this is the clean ice box box one. This is the clean ice box, uh, song. So, uh, the, the, the quote from Stevie was, we just kind of went okay with an eye roll because it was so different from rumors <laughs> deliberately. So in hindsight, I do like this record, but at the time me and Stevie would be like, what the hell is he doing in the toilet playing an empty Kleenex box for a drum? Oh my God. Which just makes me love Christine even more. Um, <laughs> so great. All right. Um, scores. Wayne, what do you got? 18. All right. Jake? 12. And this is my 14. And we're going to flip the record one more time. So this is side four and starts out with Honey High. And this is another Christine song. This is Formula Christine, right? Mm-hmm. Which is just great. Um, Wayne, what do you got? I just super corny. I mean, I, I don't hear, and I don't even hear any piano. That's one thing you can count on from a Christine McVie song. And uh, just, I could say, cor- what's the line that made me just cringe? Was even sweeter than wine. Don't take the love light away. Just come. On. I, I'm. I'm uh, really. I'm. I'm pretty sure that even though you keep saying, no, I really do love Christine. I you do. really don't. I no, don't. you're done. Yeah, if you don't like her, I, I think you should just I, say it. I love her and I would never. Just trust me. I'm just not. Just be honest I'm not with the, us. That's my thing. Honesty is my it's the best <laughs> policy. If I didn't like her, I would say so. I just, you know, this is no, you make love and fun. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, okay. 
Well, Jake, what do you got on this one? This one always sits well with me, and I feel like it's actually, I mean, reading about this record, I feel like it's one of the most hated songs in this record. Um, really? But I didn't really know that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I was just reading, like, some people talking about it, but um, it feels good. It feels very current to me. That's what was kind of sticking. Like, it feels almost like a hype song. Oh, yeah. Totally. I mean, a lot of these songs, too, I, I hate using the term ahead of your time, but I think some of it was, and there's clearly so many bands that were influenced by this album in particular um, that I was reading about. And I, I think, I don't know. I think this might be one of those songs. Yeah. All right. This is my 15, Jake. <laughs> this is my 16. <laughs> Wayne? Two. See, you, you, you hate Christine. I, I hate, I hate the, she phoned it in songwriting wise on this record. Like she's, she's out doing something else with her time. It's not writing songs. <laughs> All right. Next song is beautiful child. Um, does this also get a D for you, Jake? No, I, and I like, I've heard her talk about the story behind the song, which she's some like English guy who's like a lot older and he would sing her or like say poetry to her and she would sit at his feet and I <laughs> which is corny, <laughs> corny, but I believe her. And I think I like this. I think I believe this one more, um, especially because this kind of became, a, I think she did the song a lot, like on the Say You Will tour, like in the 2000s, like it kind of became a staple. And um, yeah, I, maybe I'm contradicting my logic earlier, but I think this one is, it's more, it's closer to an A for me. Okay. Wayne, what do you got on this one? Uh yeah, it's another one where she, I think she mixes around. She's kind of telling two stories. It's starting to make me think like this abortion had a pretty big effect on her because there were some lines in Beautiful Child that I wish, you know, that you could at least al- allude to that. So, but I, it just was, it fell middle of the road for me. Like I, I already went into this after the first couple of listens thinking they could have made a, like a really strong one album. And so mm-hmm. some stuff, this is one of the things that if it wasn't here, I don't, I don't, I think this would have been cut. Tusk could have been a stronger album if we, if we'd lost a few of few beautiful children. <laughs> and, and most of the songs on this album are fairly short, except for the Stevie songs. The there, there's three songs on the record that are over five minutes long and all of them are Stevie songs. <laughs> so, think she's the only one that could get away with that honestly yeah yeah, probably um i do really love the harmony parts when Lindsay comes in with some some vocals at i think two or three different different points 
Um, those are beautiful. That's kind of the redeeming quality for this song for me. Um, yeah, not, not my favorite Stevie song by any stretch. Uh, Wayne, what do you got for a score? A six. And then Jake. 11. And this is my 10. And then next song is walk a thin line, which is another Buckingham song. Wayne, what do you got on this one? Well, it's a little melancholy from from Lindsay, which he hasn't shown uh, to this point. Um, and it, and I always think with as much you know, there's been lots of uh, references made to. The, I, I believe they were actually going to put uh, like a thank you to their cocaine dealer in the credit in the in the liner notes of of rumors, but he got killed in some sort of drive by gang shooting, oh so they so they Jeez. didn't. So. Thin white line could be a drug reference. I'm not going to say it isn't, uh, but I think it's more about the, it feels like it's more about the expectations of somebody um, that is in a, you know, a Fleetwood Mac particularly. Um, and that walking that thin line between giving the people what they want and being true to your muse and writing the songs that, that mean something to you. I feel like that's the thin line that, that he's walking. So you think that this song should be called Snort a Thin Line? No, not, I don't think anything. I'm saying it, I'm not saying it is a drug reference. I'm saying it would have been cool if it was. I actually, from listening to it and reading the lyrics, I feel like it's that this guy who has written some of these, you know, these great pop, more conventional pop songs, but has now grown to want to do something a little bit different. Um, and, but yet he still has to make money. You still, you know, that mansion with the recording studio bathroom, you know, the payments on that aren't free. So he's got to walk that thin line between giving the people what they want, being true to his muse. Yeah. And this is the one where he was recording the backing vocals and the, with a microphone taped to the floor mm. doing the pushups. Classic. Yeah. Um, and one other thing on this one, uh, when Mick Fleetwood put out his first covered it debut solo album, yeah, he covered it. Hmm. Just a couple years after this was released, so his first solo record was from '81. I didn't listen to oh. it though. Did you? No, I have not. Okay, I didn't listen to Travis Barker's either. So I guess I didn't like it enough to to listen to it. Um, let's get scores. This is my eight, Jake. This is my three. And Wayne? My 15. Okay. Which leads us to title song.
Wayne, go. This is just something that this has always been, this has been my favorite Fleetwood Mac song since the first time I heard it. Um, it doesn't sound like anything, not only anything I've ever heard from Fleetwood Mac, but anything I really can think of that I heard from anybody prior, you know, to the, to that point. Um, it's just extremely primal. Um, and it, it, it gets, you know, it, it, it gets even goes into another gear when those horns come in. Um, I, I just, I can say there's, and there's more of that Lindsay, that paranoia, uh, about, you know, why don't you ask where he's going, where he's going to stay, who's on the phone. He's just, he's, he's convinced that she's cheating on him in every, in almost every song. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely some paranoia. Um, and, and just so you know, um, Tusk is, uh, innuendo. Yes, absolutely. I, there's no doubt this is a penis reference. Yeah, it's a penis reference. I mean, this whole record <laughs> is phallic. <laughs> <laughs> if you hadn't noticed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a really brave song, and I think it's uh, a re- they were rewarded for it. I I agree. I think it's one of my favorite Fleetwood Mac songs. The drum loop. Um, it gets my heart going just about every time. And yeah, it's just audacious and it's brash and God, it just feels really good and it feels really timeless to me. And I think this, this song makes the whole record worth it for me. Yeah. Amen. And uh, as you mentioned, the, the 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 brass band that you hear playing in the background, um, that is the USC marching band. They recorded it at Dodger Stadium. So, and they presented them with a platinum record too, I guess. Oh, did they? Another, Very yeah, cool. Some, I, I believe there's a video of it, but yeah, uh, I think Mick and Lindsay presented the band with a right, platinum cool. record. This was the first single off the record as well. I didn't mention that. Peaked at number eight in the U.S. I was reading um, a book. It's one of the 33 and a third books. Oh, yeah. Love those. Um, But there's one on Tusk, and I I just read it. And I had it for a while, but I hadn't read it. And there's an interview with one of the girls who's in the USC marching band. Um, And she was talking about, like, you know, everyone was really excited because everyone was listening to Rumors, like, when they were recording this. Yeah. Um, like, you know, Rumors was in everybody's dorm room. Like, it, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing it. So they just thought, like, oh, yeah, we're making, of, like, a Fleetwood Mac record. And, you know, they, like, get the cheap music and everything, and they're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and, like, they said they remember, like, everyone sat around to, like, listen to the full record, and they're like, oh, God. <laughs> Um, what did we sign yeah, up which for? Kind of, which kind of set the mood for the record for me as a whole because I I feel like I took for granted kind of how bold this record is because I didn't start listening to Fluid Mac until like, you know, 2010. And, you know, I, I fell into Tusk a few years later and Tusk didn't seem risky to me just because I had you know, 30 years of other music that I'd listened to right. that came after this, but it's kind of hard to put into terms like Fleetwood Mac was 
the biggest band in the world. They just made the biggest record ever made. And then they come out with this and it, it, it got, and it was $60 to buy. It's asking a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. But this song in particular, I think it's still a moment too in their live shows. Well, now I don't know because Lindsay's not playing with them. But, right. Um, right. At least a few times I saw him. Like it's, it's a moment. Yeah. I can't, I can't imagine Neil Finn doing the vocal part for this. I just, <laughs> anyways. Uh, I don't want to. Um, yeah, I don't want to either. Um, all right, Wayne, your score. Oh, this is my favorite song. This is my favorite song. My favorite Fleetwood Mac song. My favorite song on this record. Wow. All right, Jake. Nineteen. So and this much. is and this is my thirteen. Um, oh, I do have a confession. Have no, I have a confession. So I totally cheated for my score. I was gonna. <laughs> I was gonna give this my fourteen, but I. I couldn't. I couldn't not see Sarah as number one, um, so I'm giving this a 13. So that Tusk ties with Sarah for our top song on this on the scoring. Oh, so you can call me a cheater or whatever you want, Wayne. I will live with that. <laughs> yeah, well, there's right. nothing I can do to change it, so I'm just gonna let it go. All right, all right. I get bigger fish Thanks. to fry. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right, last song is Never Forget. think i've ever said anything bad about christine ever because i love her um but in the context of looking at this record as a whole i have to say this is my least favorite song on the record and the fade out of the song for this and a fade out of this as a overall a double record just pisses me off a little bit um tusk should have been the album closer and you just finished there right That'd have been one way to go. This should never have been on the record. Um, I love you, Christine. I really do. Um, unlike, you know, Wayne's empty words about loving you. I really do love no, you. And I, and I literally, my notes say Christine redeems herself on this one. Uh, her voice is just so warm what? and dense. Oh my God. Um, and, oh. The, and I love her piano in this. I don't, I agree with what you said though. It's, it's hard to top. Like I don't even know how you top Tusk. Like you definitely either start with that one, yeah, uh, or you end with that one. And so, but I've already said my my position is there's at least eight, if not ten, songs that if left and made B sides or put on another record or just given, you know, it could have easily been a, a one of your deal. deluxe versions <laughs> as outtakes. Yeah, I get it. Um, Jake, do you have any last words on? Never forget. It's beginning. I mean, it's ending it the same way they begin it, which is a very... That's true. Full, full circle. Um, I don't... Her voice doesn't sound like her voice on this. Has anyone noticed that? Yeah. I, it just... It, 
it weirds me out. I usually just don't listen to the song when I listen to this record. I usually just end it at Tusk. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> totally agree. Because um, Tusk puts me in such a good mood. Never forget doesn't put me in a bad mood, but I just would rather stay with that energy. Yep, yep. All right, I already said this is my lowest. Wayne, your score? Oh, nine. And then Jake? This is my two. All right. So this is the point where I go, did we miss anything? Did we cover everything? I think we got most of it. It's probably. I think we got it. I think we got it. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. I think we were able to be frustrated <laughs> equally with the seemingly just mishandling of some sequencing and <laughs> but again i think it might have all been on purpose or maybe not frustrated and in ad- admiration all at the same time yeah it's really inspiring yeah to be that bold all right um so i already kind of let the cat out of the bag as far as our <laughs> top five um so tusk and sarah are tied for our one with an average score of 17.33 got a uh, tie for third as well average score of 14.67 that's sisters of the moon and i know i'm not wrong and then we actually have a tie for fifth so we're gonna have a top six for this one which makes sense considering we're talking about 20 songs we might as well throw an extra one in for you know good measure uh so we've got over and over and storms that tied for, with a 13.33 average score. Just outside of the top six was Think About Me. Hmm. But that was most that was mostly Wayne's doing because he gave it a 17. So I can live with that top six though, right? <laughs> it was a Christine song, and now you're criticizing me for giving it two hours. <laughs> All right. Maybe you do love Christine. I don't know. I don't know. All right. So Jake, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you coming on and uh, appreciate the great referral from, from Bree. Oh, of course. Yeah. I love any excuse to talk about Fleetwood Mac <laughs> in a really nerdy way. So yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, um, how we got hooked up with you is because we ask all of our guests the referral question. So who do you know that we don't know who should come on our podcast to talk about one of their favorite records? Ooh, you should check out um, Chaz Cardigan. He's another artist in Nashville. Okay. Don't, don't know him. There you go. All right. Well, uh, we'll, we'll chat offline and we can, uh, we'll, we'll make that happen. Cool. What do you think that he'd pick? Knowing Chaz, um, you know, he has a very vast, vast music library, so I actually don't really know. <laughs> um, but I know it would be an amazing record, and that y- y'all would have a lot of fun discussing. Cool. Yeah. We like surprises. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's wrap this up and go to bed. Cool. Um, so as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. You can, of course, find us on all of the major podcast platforms, um, 
Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. Please make sure that you go subscribe and rate or review us. And of course, we're all over the socials. Uh, I man the Facebook page and I'm on Twitter at Podcast Records. And Wayne mans the Instagram page at Records Revisited Podcast. And then Jake, tell our listeners where they can find all the happenings of you. Yeah, if you search my name, Jake Wesley Rogers. Um, that's the handle on social media, on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok, somewhat begrudgingly, but we're on TikTok. Um, and then yeah, Spotify, Apple music, everything, Jake Wesley Rogers. And considering you're getting ready to do some recording for a new record, I'm assuming that you'll be posting to the socials about that process. Oh, Yes. All right. Excellent. Well, we'll, we'll definitely be watching for that. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. I would tell you to look, go to a live show, but kind of know the drill on that. So go find your favorite musicians, support any of the live streaming events that they're doing. And of course, buy a t-shirt of the band, buy a record and you can't go to a record store right now. Just, you know, do it safely, mask up and, um, yeah we love you we are records revisited and we are out out